back to Star Wars Escape Pod and our uh, weekly after show for The Mandalorian and The, the Bad Batch Season 2. Uh, we have uh, our co-co-host in the podcast this week, which is uh, Bryce. And uh, him and I are going to be breaking down the latest episodes, which came out last week on Wednesday, which is Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 3, Chapter 19, The Convert, and The Bad Batch Season 2, Episode 13. Pabu. Let's get into it. Another happy landing. Here we go. Welcome back, Bryce. Hope everybody had a good uh, Bunta Eve. I was not here uh, last time. Yeah. <laughs> now, now that we know people celebrate Bunta Eve. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm not yeah. sure what sort of traditions that entails, but I'm probably a good time. Yeah. Uh, Bunta Eve. Um, go watch uh, your local pod race. Yeah. <laughs> 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 We got, we got, I, I, you know, someone's got to make like a Star Wars calendar, like an in-universe Star Wars calendar, just make an app for it, you know? Like all yeah. the different planets that have all these celebrations, uh, Wookiee Life Day, Boonta Eve, yeah. you know, someone could do it. Yeah, yeah hopefully they're not too close, so you're not buying your kids too many presents, like all at once. Like, <laughs> yeah. Boonta Eve's right after Life Day, and you're like, jeez! Yeah, and then there's the outside <laughs> of, of Star Wars celebrations, like, uh, like Star Wars Celebration, like May the 4th, Revenge of the 5th. Return of the Sixth. <laughs> it just yeah, keeps we, going. We have, we have more holidays in our in our universe than Star Wars does in theirs. Yeah, yeah I think we do. I think you're right. Oh man. Um, yeah. Well, it's been a, it's been another week. I gotta say, just off the bat, Bad Batch kind of let me down this past week, but uh, Mandalorian was uh, was was pretty interesting. That that has a few things to talk about. Um, but yeah, off the bat, was there anything that stuck out to you before we kind of dive into dive into this episode? Man, there's lots to talk about with the Mandalorian. What a what a what a curveball kind of episode. I'm not yeah. sure. I'm even now. I'm not really sure how I feel about it. I think it's really going to depend on what comes next. Right. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that being said, um, Mandalorian season three, episode three. So uh, this episode, after Din Djarin recovers, he and Bo-Katan depart Mandalore. Though Bo-Katan withholds the Mythosaur's existence from him, upon returning to Kalevala, they're attacked by an Imperial TIE Fighter squad, which destroys Bo-Katan's home. Uh, they are forced to retreat. Meanwhile, on Coruscant, Dr. Pershing receives a pardon by the New Republic, but is startled to find uh, Elia Kane, previously employed under Moff Gideon as well, uh, among the Amnesty Program's recipients. Kane agrees to assist Pershing in his efforts to continue his cloning research in secret, which has been outlawed by the Republic. Uh, they sneak aboard a decommissioned Imperial-class Star Destroyer, steal necessary materials for his research, uh, but Kane betrays Pershing to the Republic's lawkeepers and later secretly sabotages the mind-wiping procedure used on him, significantly worsening the effect on him, uh, results have yet to be seen. Din Djarin and Bogotan arrive at the secret Mandalorian enclave, where Din Djarin presents the armorer with a sample of the living waters as proof of his redemption. Because she is also bathed in the waters, that's Bogotan that is, she is also welcomed into the enclave as well, as she has not removed her helmet since diving into the waters. Uh, so this was an interesting episode because it was kind of like half and half. There was, well, I'd say even the majority was like kind of a Dr. Pershing story, which is really curious mm -hmm. because. 
clearly it just means he's got like a bigger part to play, you know, later on in the story. Um, but how'd you, how'd you like this one? Nah, I think, I think I have like mixed feelings about it. Like it felt, I, I love it when Star Wars kind of branches out and you get to experience like more of the world and like more of like the common person, the kind of like poly, the geopolitics of like how the, how the galaxy works. You get, you kind of get that like inside view on like the laws that the republics the new republics putting in and like if you were more of if you're not the hero of the story like what are you kind of up to and I think it does a lot for um like the world is Star Wars is like a world building as a whole yeah yeah yeah, yeah for sure um yeah I I mean as as far as as far as this episodes go, I, I mean, I, I really like that we we did get to see Coruscant again because I think it's, if I'm not mistaken, it's like the first time. It in, was fun to see it again. Yeah, because like, yeah. wasn't it? It's only just been Andor, I think, that's given us Coruscant, and and usually they just give you like a like a little like five second shot. Yeah. Of Coruscant, right? Yeah. And and, and it's kind of like it's like enough, but you're always kind of craving more. Yeah. Yeah. For so, sure. The, and, and and a lot of the times it's always kind of like the, the dirty underworld too. Yeah, you're not really exposed to what we see in episode three, which is kind of the the uh, high higher living. Yeah, kind of oligarchs that are kind of out of touch. No, it's so true. It's so true because that yeah. that even works its way to the uh, the animated shows, the the video games. I know I know Jedi uh, survivors around the corner, and from what we've seen in like the trailer and stuff, like the. The Coruscant aspect of it all looks to be very underworld. So uh, you're mm-hmm. totally right. Like you know, as far as like the the reminisce uh, the reminiscence of like just seeing those shots of like the the overhead city skyline and uh, stuff like that. It's like dang, like that brings me back to not only like the prequels but like Re- Return of the Jedi, the um, the special edition when they threw that scene in there, and then. Um, and or we got a little bit, but not like a crazy amount. And I think that was it. Like, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty sure that was it. So, um, yeah, for me, this like watching just constantly through the episodes, like, wow, like, wow, there's, there's more, like, it's like, there's like a whole, uh, it's like a star tours episode or something. We're getting like the whole, like, you know, uh, uh, you know, just like the regular guy perspective of like this city world. Right. And just giving like the whole tour and everything like that. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, like like we see a lot of different like areas of Curacao as well, right? Like we see like a festival, we see like like it's it truly is like an Anumacropolis. Like yeah. you have you, you know, like the city it's just so massive that you you know a whole portion of the planet is just devoted to, you know, like industry and stuff because we we, yeah. we they almost they fly over the exact kind of almost it, it seemed very similar to where Anakin and Obi-Wan were going through those like power couplings right yeah (laughs) Yeah. how many times have i told you not to fly through power couplings something like that yeah yeah it's it's, it's so good i I love i love being uh being taken through that world again and um yeah you know i think um yeah i'm I'm blanking on who actually directed this episode uh it wasn't it wasn't dave was it no somebody else that's next next one that's the this next one or is maybe uh Oh, you know what? This week, this week's episode is going to be directed by Carl Weathers, and uh, oh, we wow. we just we just saw him. That was that was uh, that was our little little uh, outing to Fan Expo in Vancouver. That that was that was great to see him. He gave uh, us the teaser. I didn't know he was delving into the world of directing. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's that's this this Wednesday's episode. It's called The Foundling, and uh, based on the the teases on his social media, we're going to get some flashbacks into Grogu's past. And oh. perhaps answers of like who who uh, rescued him from from the Jedi Temple and stuff like that. Oh wow! Um, so we're gonna get more Coruscant shots, <laughs> which, which is pretty yeah. cool. Um, so maybe this story kind of plays into it a little bit. Maybe Doctor Pershing is is kind of you know clearly he had something to do with Grogu in the beginning, and it's kind of going back to that that story again, which you know I really like a lot. So. Uh, what, what did you think about the overall like kind of like tone and feel of the episode comparing it to like the other Mando episodes it or was, other, even, even like other Star Wars media? Yeah, it, anything, really. Yeah, it's a good point because it did feel very different. I was trying to figure that out like as I was watching it. I was like, 
it, it's funny because I was like, do I like this? Like, because I, I liked yeah, it. No, I liked I, it in the way that it was like really cool to see Coruscant again. But at the same time, I was like, does this, is this kind of, kind of like one of those episodes in Book of Boba where there's a lot to like cool things to look at, but then like story-wise, like, is it interesting enough, right? I think you're spot on, yeah. Yeah, and and uh, I think, at least for me, being a huge fan of the prequels, like, at, like this kind of, the cool factor kind of took off in, like, I think a different height as compared to maybe other people, but, uh, you know, we got to see the Opera House again. Like, that was yeah. really awesome, like, to see the Opera House mm-hmm. again where, where Sidious tells Anakin the story of Darth Plagueis and all that. That was where... Dr. Pershing is giving his monologue about um, how he's, um, well, he's essentially kind of like a court hearing, I guess, but uh, almost almost seemed like a TED Talk. <laughs> it was like a yeah. like a Star Wars TED Talk or something. It, it definitely was that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like about his uh, conversion to, to the New Republic. I think that's why the episode's called The Convert, because, you know, clearly it's kind of about him. But um, And he seems like a nice guy. Like, he's genuinely, like, kind of out to do his science and his research, you know, in, in the spirit of doing it for good. And, you know, through this episode, we kind of see him go back to his, like, his research that he was doing before, which the New Republic has outlawed. But, you know, he has a passion for this thing and, and he went into this business because of, you know, a very personal matter uh, with the death of his mother and everything like that. And if cloning technology had been available, you know, maybe she could have been saved. So he's got a very personal attachment to doing this. So there's no nefarious means or, or whatever, right? But um, so I like how they kind of made him a likable character, like in this episode. Before he was just kind of like one of those background kind of side characters that's like, oh yeah, it's that guy, you know, uh, innocent kind of nerdy geek who like uh, you know is used for doing bad by the wrong by the wrong person, but he's actually probably a nice guy. And you know, finally we get like a good rich story to this character. Um, you know, with his whole backstory and everything, I actually kind of like, now I kind of feel for him. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, it was cool to kind of see the opera house again. I kind of went on a, yeah. on a streak there, but um, the opening shot of the city as well. It's, um, I saw a post about this. They recycled a episode three shot of the, of the, it was of the city. Uh, there's like a, like kind of like a camera pan kind of going across the city and they recycled it straight out of episode three. You can do a side by side. It's oh, I thought, one for I thought one. It, it felt very similar. Yeah. I don't know if it's because like, that's just how Curzon supposed to look, but right. Yeah. No, that it was the same very, shot. Yeah. Very familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ian who, uh, Ian K, he is a previous guest on the, on the podcast and it's been a while since we had him on. So we, we got to get him on again at some point, but um, he mentioned on Twitter that the formation of the TIE Fighters were the same as the aerial strategy used in Star Wars Rebels by Thrawn. So uh, these are the TIE Fighters that attacked Bo-Katan's castle. Um, and it's kind of long been teased that Thrawn is going to make an appearance at some point, whether it's in this season or another show, no one knows. Um, but uh, that was a very interesting uh, piece of insight there, I thought, that the TIE fighters that attacked Bo-Katan's castle were using a particular strategy that uh, that had been used before. I uh, um, just kind of like that, like, like I remember there was like four interceptors, right? Like kind of yeah. in like some sort of diamond formation or what it was it was just kind of like the way that they attacked and then and then and then when Bo-Katan decides to rush that one fighter that's getting away and then they have like a whole cluster that kind of comes at her from the front um, oh yeah that yeah, that yeah. whole maneuver was something that was taken right out of a rebels episode uh with thrawn so i thought that was very curious very interesting uh you know clearly thrawn is maybe this new kind of emperor figure yeah a little you know pulling some strings from wherever he is in 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 the void (laughs) Uh, (laughs) yeah um we saw monument plaza again in this episode and uh monument plaza was the sequence in which uh pershing and uh what's their name again elia kane uh they had popsicle sticks you know and they were like looking at that kind of rock peeking out of the ground yeah yeah, Monument Plaza, that's what that's called. It's based on a Ralph McQuarrie uh, painting done for the original films. Um, the plaza, in, the, in the, uh, the explanation of those places, the plaza circles the summit of Umid, 
which is one of the highest peaks of the uh, Manurai Mountains, uh, which is like Coruscant was never once completely city. It's just been built up over thousands and thousands of years. So this is like the top of the mountain. And uh, that's like the only place on the planet where people can actually like touch the uh, the mountain rock because I guess it's so surrounded by like buildings and stuff at this point that that's kind of like one of the only areas in which you can really interact with the mountain. And um, I thought that was actually kind of a cool thing. I didn't actually that's, realize that it was the mountain that is peak. Brilliant. Yeah. Like that is like and and the fact that like it just goes to show like the the mind of kind of Ralph McQuarrie that he kind of like just thought this up kind of. Is, I'm not sure like how much thought he really put into this, right? right? Like, is is this something he was just like, oh, this is a great idea, or he was just probably like doing another one of his like hundred Star Wars paintings, and he's yeah. like, I'm gonna put a little rock here, like, yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I wonder, I wonder if it was him being like, yeah, this is like the city planet, like a mountain sticking up, or if it was just a rock, and then that just kind of gave someone else the idea to expand on that. That's a great point because. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, yeah, as, as an artist, he probably just, you know, maybe it was an aesthetic thing and then yeah. some other, you know, and that's, but that's, what's great about Star Wars is like, there's so many like people that kind of get in the kitchen and throw their little two cents in there. So I don't know who's responsible for coming up with the whole peak of the mountain I idea. I wouldn't doubt like if it was Ralph McCoy, right? Like yeah, someone with that is designed and like been a part of making so many different sci-fi worlds. Right. Like not just Star Wars, but right. Like he's, I'm sure he's done like a lot of different, worked on a lot of different projects. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, I, like I, man, it is just such a cool original idea. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love it. Um, it has made appearances before in Star Wars. Uh, one of the notable mm-hmm. EU appearances was in the Darth Plagueis novel. And uh, yeah, I thought I heard of this before. Yeah, yeah. and in the canon, uh, we've actually seen it before in animated form in the Clone Wars with the episode called Duchess of Mandalore. Uh, there was an episode in which um, saw the Duchess being hunted by an assassin uh, from Death Watch, and uh, I believe she met Obi Wan or Padme in the courtyard where they have the the big tip of the mountain there. Uh, so that was the, that was the same plaza used, used in the show. And, um, a lot of the angles that they took shots of in the aerial, uh, in the aerial shots seemed to kind of reminisce shots from the cool. Clone Wars as well. So they must've used those as reference, uh, at one point when, when doing the, uh, the live action version of it. So that yeah. was, that was very cool. It was a nice little nod to the head. Yeah. Um, what uh, what do you think of that whole train sequence? Uh, we had um, you know we had a passenger train uh, reminded me very much of a sky train. You know I, I see people hopping those gates all the time, and uh, <laughs> the main the main characters just kind of hop the gate, board the train, and uh, yeah. the ticket the ticket robots kind of making their way down the train, and they start going from car to car and hopping the hopping the gap kind of thing. And um, yeah, what did you think of that whole sequence? Man, as, as someone in my youth who, like, rarely paid for transit as a young 20-year-old <laughs> man, I don't think if I saw a security guy coming, I don't think I would, like, leap off of a train going, like, <laughs> Just pay the fine, right? <laughs> yeah, I just, like, what's the worst they're going to do? They're going to say, get off the train. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think it was a bit weird. I, I couldn't get that out of my head when I was watching this thing. I'm like, what's this little like robot get like this droid gonna do really? Yeah, yeah. But but I don't know, maybe maybe they would have been on alert, like they would have like done like an ID search and they would have found out that since they're part of the amnesty program that they're missing or something like that. Yeah, because it does seem like they have to do a lot of like reporting in, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, no, that's that's true. Yeah, um, I had a hard time believing they were able to hop off the train at a specific moment <laughs> and like <laughs> land on like what was that like that a, they landed on? Like was a it like mattress. a yeah? It was like a mattress or something, it's like, dude. Like what? Like were they planning on replacing that with something else? And then I, I I'm trying to remember exactly what it was, but it looked like a mattress, right? It was like something. Yeah, it was just a uh, conveniently placed pillow. <laughs> yeah, it's like I wonder. Like I wonder if this is like, is this like the the place to like jump off the train? Maybe. Um, I'm assuming maybe she put it there the day before. Right. Yeah, because like, she says she goes over there all the time. So maybe Alaya put the 
mattress or something there. It's very conveniently uh, placed, I guess. But um, it did line up very curiously with them trying to get away from the ticket droid. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's... I thought they were jumping because confident. of the ticket droid, but it looks like they would have had to have jumped anyway. So it was a little strange. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but all, all in all, though, you know, great episode. It was it was, it was pretty cool, but um, I don't know if it had a whole lot of great, you know, solid story content. It was in more ways than one, I think, an episode in which kind of leaves us questioning a lot of things and, uh, you know, anticipating buildup. So I think I'm, I'm going to give it a lot of credit for uh, starting the, the ball rolling, you know, in the direction of Grogu and kind of the, the main story that we had in season one with Dr. Pershing and uh, kind of getting back to basics with that whole cloning uh, ordeal. Uh, it makes me wonder if we're going to kind of link up with maybe something that's going on in the Bad Batch as well at that Mount Tantus uh, place. Uh, that would be interesting. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a few things that this episode has to offer. I'm, I'm very curious about this new character, Aliyah Kane, as well, uh, to see what she has in store. Maybe she's still working for Moff Gideon behind the scenes. Maybe she's yeah, not actually. It's probably something like that, right? You yeah. kind of get yourself arrested, and she's kind of working from the inside right. to snuff out, um, you know, the former assets of the Empire before they can be used by the New Republic. Yeah, yeah, that would um, be pretty pretty bonkers, wouldn't it? Um, that's kind of why she's sneakily frying our our, our boy's brain. Right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, um, you know what would be kind of crazy is if she removed any kind of memories of him joining the New Republic and he just kind of gets reset to, like, a point in which he was mm. working for the Empire. Like, that would be kind of kooky and a little weird and maybe even just a cheat way to kind of backtrack some story a little bit but like at the same time it's like i'm kind of curious to find out uh but yeah it, yeah it, it does make me wonder like is she working for thrawn is she working for um moff gideon who's currently still in custody or is he like maybe did he break out or something i have, I have no idea um yeah. but yeah that's that is certainly um yeah certainly something to yeah i think there's like I think, like you said, it doesn't. It's not really building on like the plot, but I do appreciate it when they can. If they're not going to build on the plot, they at least build on like Star Wars lore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I feel like it was a very much like a, a lore building episode where, you, like, what did you think about the direction they're taking the New Republic? Because that was the big kind of surprise for me was was watching how fast like the New Republic is kind of. Mm. Yeah. Slipping into some very like red flag habits. Yeah, um, that's a great question because I think this is something that you might have a better memory on than I do because um, it's been a, been a little while since I touched any material that kind of in the EU at least that that fits mm -hmm. that time slot because in the canon there's really not a whole lot and um, at least from what we know like this season takes place in the for sure kind of couple years after season one of the same show so uh and the season one of the same show was five years after return of the jedi i think it was so this season is probably maybe like eight eight years later we're uh yeah. maybe a third of the way to the force awakens kind of thing so uh 30 of the way there so at this point the new republic is yeah fairly established you know they don't really have a military because that's never really been their thing but they still have all those x-wings patrolling the galaxy we keep on hearing uh we keep on seeing uh what's his face pop up all the time uh played by you know police officers yeah yeah kim's convenience um yeah. <laughs> uh, so i mean in the old eu i feel like the new republic never really demilitarizes because they're kind of fighting the imperial remnant for just yeah. ages there's always like a new yeah. guy to fight so i think um that's where the cannon yeah, takes a major different yeah, and, and turn, to see yeah. you know they talk about the how they're um um, taking the Alliance fleet apart, right? Yeah. In, in the episode, they're um, they're like, uh, you know, this amnesty program is like very um, nineteen eighty four. Yeah. You know, like like Blade Runner, right? Like it's like they they ripped that right from Blade Runner, where the they're making these people talk to the amnesty like mm. robots that are like totally Do you have any bad feelings against your neighbors, like totally. Yeah. And it's like. And and then you know like assigning people numbers to make them live in these like like communes together as former 
imperialists. Yeah, I thought that was very weird. It, it almost it almost takes the New Republic for what it was, you know, it wasn't intended to be a bad g- government or anything, but it's almost mm-hmm. like they're taking the New Republic and just making it look from from uh, from our viewer's perspective and for the characters that we see in this episode uh, makes the New Republic look almost no different than the Empire or the Republic that came before that. Yeah. You know, they're referring to them as numbers, not their names. They're in cubicles, just like we saw, um, uh, what's his name in, in, in Andor? I'm blanking on his name. I can't believe I'm blanking on his name already, but... Um, you know, they're not Cyr- allowed to Cyril. express their C- individuality yes. uh, in, in, their, in their work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, uh, Cyril, who is like so obsessed with, you know, doing his due diligent work and everything like that, gets put into this area within the within the ISB or something, you know, where wherever he was, like doing some, some work in a cubicle. And uh, everyone around him is in a cubicle, kind of doing the same stuff, like analyzing like data and, and whatever else. And it looks like he's kind of doing just the same thing, except he's just getting yeah. rid of it instead. And as a guy who's supposed to be doing research, you know, this totally kind of goes against like what what he kind of stands for and why he started doing what he did, does in the first place. So to him, none of this kind of agrees with him at all. And yeah. Uh, yeah, you're totally right. Like the whole Blade Runner vibe about, you know, talking to a robot across the table, like essentially kind of checking in to every just day. your well-being yeah every day it's just Driving like you insane yeah that would be and i think that's why even though the episode didn't really like like do it for me star wars wise like it felt right. a bit like a bit like star trekky at yeah. times when, when they're you know they're looking like the light up popsicles and and, <laughs> and it, it might just feel like that because this is just a side of star wars we never really see we never see pristine clean star wars with mm-hmm. like um, with like kind of these, I was thinking like the Hunger Games too, like that kind of upper yeah. class where yeah. they're just kind of like, well, you guys are weird, like right, <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So we never really see that side, but um, it really goes and, and it this this episode asked a lot of questions that I never thought would be asked about Star Wars, like what, like yeah, um, you've toppled an empire, but billions and billions of sentient beings worked for the empire and they have yeah. to do something. Yeah. And then you also just fought a huge civil war. So you you need to regulate that somehow. Yeah. Like if you're not going to be a tyrant, like the empire, you're going to put in this horrible, like amnesty program. Like, like it must be so hard as the new Republic to kind of make this new structure and yep. like try to restructure the galaxy. And I think it's a very like an, a very like adult political theme that they've brought in, mm-hmm. which is very I don't know. It's it's very interesting. Intriguing. Yeah, very very yeah for sure. Uh, yeah. It was also a nice touch with uh, the brief moment that we had with all the senators at the opera house, mm-hmm. um, assuming that they are senators. Um, it was very uh, I don't I don't really know quite the word to describe it, but what they were saying they didn't come across as your typical like good guy like they just seemed like they always have just kind of been doing their job you know it's just like oh yeah they were the senator under the republic they were the same senator under the empire they were fired for a little bit and now they're back under the new republic and they're just living in wealth as they normally do and sitting in meetings and socializing and doing what they do every day right and it's like they just kind of like socialize with each other in that manner and uh there's no um like padme's in the mix at least from what i saw in 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 the people that came up to Dr. Pershing to kind of express their, uh, uh, their feelings towards his, his speech. Uh, there was no kind of, I don't know, authenticity to, to just yeah, about. You're, you're instantly reminded of why the Republic struggled yeah. in its, in its last days. It's like, it's because of bureaucracy. It's because yeah. of greed, yeah. right? It's all the reasons that our democracies and in, in our, on, on earth right like yeah yeah it's it's why we get marred down in like corruption and, and stuff like that mm-hmm. so it's cool to see to see that in star wars because it makes a lot more sense why kind of the the, the sequel trilogy occurs yeah right? in, in like a lot of ways yep yep for sure so. yeah i like all those uh those threads that they're that they're doing there so um all right okay. pablo's or uh pablo's or Pudu's. Uh, so 
what just off the top of your head, like what do you what do you think this deserves here? Because um, I'm, I'm kind of leaning more towards like a like a one point five. I think so. Like, I mean, it contributes to lore. I'm not sure it has great, you know, character development. Mm-hmm. Um, unless they really stick with these new characters and like take them somewhere. Yeah. Because we don't really see any development with the Mando. It is it is nice to see Bogotan. Something's something might happen there. You know, she might join the cult, <laughs> 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 which I didn't really see happening. I thought it would kind of go the other way where she would kind of wake um, Din Djarin up to like, yeah. um, so, I guess we still don't really know if, if the, the watch is necessarily good or evil. Yeah. Right? It's, you know, and, they're, they're not the death watch. Are no. They? Yeah. yeah. It, they aren't. No. And, 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 you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I recently rewatched the clone wars episodes with her, working under pre Vizsla uh, w- when she was with, with Death Watch for a brief time. And um, I'm a little curious as to whether or not they'll ever revisit that in, in almost like a, a retrospective way, you know, if she kind of talks about her time working under pre Vizsla at any point. But, mm. um, but yeah, like, you know, pre Vizsla's clan Death Watch, they kind of stood for the whole Mandalorian warrior way, but they lived not really quite like the children of the watch do, which is like, they follow like the way, like, you know, they keep their helmets on all the time. You know, they're the warrior kind of culture, but they have a very like strong, um, kind of bond to that. Those, 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 those rituals, you know, right down to the, um, you remove your helmet, you got to bathe in the living waters again. Um, whereas like pre Vizsla's clan, you know, they didn't do that at all. Like they just basically stood for, for uh, the warrior culture and and the whole helmet thing, you know the I think the honor aspect about it just didn't exist with his group. Um, yeah. So it is kind of curious, kind of seeing Bo-Katan being inducted into this group of people because you know it's it's easy to forget that she was uh, she's uh, Duchess Satine's sister who mm-hmm. um, her rule kind of set the Mandalorians on this very different trajectory of of living where like they're no longer a warrior race uh, or warrior people. They, uh, they no longer kind of follow any of that stuff. It's all just for formality. And then she goes to work with death watch, which is quite different than that. And now she's with these, this new group uh, with Mandalorians group of people who are very much kind of saturated in their culture uh, in the ancestors, in the, you know, the uh, ancestry version of their culture. That is uh, so very curious to kind of, you know, interesting to see her kind of, completely cover the the spectrum now with with uh how she kind of lives her day-to-day um, yeah because i i like her arc like her arc yeah. is 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 kind of proceeding really well she goes from being like okay you guys are kind of like primitive weird mystics that you know we kind of evolved past you guys mm-hmm. you know we've the man the water is not magic like your helmet thing is kind of stupid like yeah. not taking it off um, it doesn't even seem then, like she believes in the mythosaur either, either until she no, sees but, it, right? And this is this is why the, the arc goes really well because not only um, she realizes she's very alone, mm-hmm. and then her like big castle gets blown up. So now she's very alone. She's like, "There's I got nobody, and I definitely don't want to hang out with these weird, crazy mystic, magic loving Mandalorians." Yep. But then she sees the mythosaur. And then she gets accepted, and I think she's starting to come around to that, oh, these, like, are still my people. And they might be onto something. Like, there is, like, something proud to be in, in like, traditions. Yeah, like, there's some purpose here, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. And like, and, like, man, these are, like, my people, and they're very proud. And I think I can be, like, it's, um, yeah, like, a, I could serve with honor with these guys. Mm-hmm. Or something like that. Yeah, I'm very curious to see where kind of mm-hmm. the story goes from from here. And uh, yeah, um, but that was like a five minute portion of the episode. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, maybe we'll get more next week. Who knows? Right? Yeah. So I think yeah. I would. I'd probably give this like a one Pablo point. One Pablo point. All right, sweet. Yeah, yeah one and one point five. Um, and uh, yeah, we're looking forward to the next one. So mm-hmm. um, let's uh, let's move on here quickly. Brief. Um, 
brief intermission and I'll uh, give a quick update on the UTE book madness and then we can dive right into uh, the bad batch, which I have a feeling that <laughs> that part's not going to last long. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Utini Book Manas. As you know, uh, Utini's been running a uh, kind of like a single elimination tournament, putting uh, pitting books against other Star Wars books, right? Like uh, or or trilogies versus trilogy kind of thing. Uh, so for the last two weeks, we've talked about the results from round one, and uh, as of this week, uh, round two has kind of been kicking in. So um, if you want to vote for your favorite Star Wars book, you can follow Utini on Twitter and Instagram um, and respond to the polls. I think they post like maybe two or three a day and uh you know it's getting closer and closer to to seeing the full results of round three so we'll catch up on the results for the last couple couple matches um so uh they pit in round one this is the final final couple brackets here uh they pit the aftermath trilogy against the the high republic uh temple T tempest runner and the aftermath trilogy one uh we had kenobi versus the truth at bakura uh, Kenobi came out on top. Uh, Resistance mm. Reborn. Have you read the? Have you read Bakura? I I, I think I have read True Bakura. It's a really old one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's it, it is an old. Yeah. It's an EU novel. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. actually, those are both EU novels. But the, Kenobi just destroyed the Truth of Bakura. It was like 542 points versus 120. <laughs> so yeah, I think uh, <laughs> I, I I do think it's like pretty loved by the EU community. But but yeah, yeah. The Kenobi is definitely going to beat that one out. Yeah. Uh, Resistance Reborn, the canon novel, versus Scoundrels, one of the last EU mm. novels to hit the shelves, and Resistance Reborn won uh, by uh, a bit of a margin. Um, the High Republic, The Rising Storm, uh, versus Maul Lockdown, and uh, The Rising Storm actually won that one. Have we you read these, those ones? I, I have read The Rising Storm. I have not read Maul Lockdown. That's an EU novel. Uh, a bit older, I think. I, I don't know. It's not that old, but it's like old enough that that it was in that time where we had so many EU books, and I just, it just kind of, it was a part of the fluff, and I just never got around to it. So, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, Rising Storm was all right. It was. Uh, I, I don't. I don't think it was like crazy good or anything, but um, it, it seems like people much prefer that one. It won 592 points to 174. Uh, we had the Alphabet Squadron Trilogy versus the X-Wing Rogue Squadron series, and that was a really narrow uh, match. But uh, wow, maybe I should read some Alphabet Squadron. Yeah, it's yeah. that's kind of like the canon uh, version, I guess, if you were if you were to put it in in that sense. Um, but the the X-Wing uh, Rogue Squadron actually came out on top with 495 points versus 466. Close. Very close, yeah. Uh, the Darth Bane trilogy was pit against the Bounty Hunter Wars trilogy, and uh, naturally Darth Bane trilogy won by a long mm -hmm. shot. We had Dark Lord Rise of Darth Vader versus Tarkin. That was a tough one, but uh, Dark Lord Rise of Darth Vader uh, actually came out on top. Uh, that's an EU novel as well. Most Wanted, which is a, a Han Solo and Kira novel prior to Solo, versus the brand new Obi-Wan Kenobi book called Padawan, and Padawan won out. And the final match of round one was the Han Solo Trilogy versus the High Republic Out of the Shadows. And the Han Solo Trilogy won out by about 44 points. So, so um, that, that's the old one, right? That's, that that's one the old one. Yeah, yeah, the old yeah, I hope that one goes far. That, yeah. one, that one was I very close and dear to my heart. Oh, is it? Okay. I've, you know, I haven't read those ones. so um, It's pretty fun if you want to learn about the, uh, the triplets. It's kind of like, it's almost like a... A little um it's it's post return of the jedi right the, the han solo trilogy yeah yeah it's about it's about han solo and his like dirty cousin <laughs> name <laughs> like thrak and sal solo oh, <laughs> it's, it's like it's like his it's like the anti han solo <laughs> oh man and then, and then the trip his like and then the triplets just they they go and they run around this point this place called center point station cause all sorts of chaos it's, it's like <laughs> kids do pretty fun <laughs> dang yeah. well round two is now taking place uh so our first match for round three uh will be lost stars versus thrawn trilogy we had uh, in round two lost stars beat out ahsoka 
and the High Republic Convergence versus the Thrawn Trilogy. Thrawn Trilogy, uh, that's the Legends version of the Thrawn Trilogy. That one won out by a long shot. So we're going to have Thrawn, uh, Thrawn Trilogy of the EU versus Lost Stars. Um, I feel like Lost Stars has got a lot of good rep behind it. I really love that book, and I know Blake really loves that one as well. So uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of what comes out on top, but I have a feeling Thrawn is still kind of going to go I have far. a feeling Blake is going to have to choose Thrawn. Yeah. Sure <laughs> yeah I know for he sure. loves uh, Lost Stars a lot. But... Yeah, exactly, yeah. Actually, I don't, I don't know. What is your favorite Star Wars book? Uh, you know, my favorite Star Wars book is is either... Um, well, I kind of go back and forth. I'm a little torn, but I really love the Darth Plagueis novel from the EU. Oh, yeah. And uh, from the canon, I really love Dark Disciple. Dark Disciple is the, the Clone Wars novel that adapted eight episodes, which never got finished. Uh, right. It kind of ties off Ventress's story. That one is like near and dear to my heart as well, and that one uh, hopefully it goes far. Um, that one seems to be in the running in uh, round two as well, uh, kind of yeah. halfway down the list. So, yeah, it's it's up against the Thrawn Ascendancy trilogy, which is mm. the second new canon trilogy. I have no doubt about it. Uh, Dark Disciple is going to win that match. But um, it's been fun to kind of see what people are, you know, into. And uh, they're combining the points across all the social media polls that they run. So, um, you know, you can hit them all if you want to kind of give a multiple points yeah. to your favorite match. <laughs> I, think, so. I think your choices will go far. Yeah, yeah, for sure. yeah, yeah, I hope so. Yeah, so, um, yeah, anyone uh, who wants to get involved, you know, you know where to do that. Um, I'll have a link to the results in the description. And all you got to do is follow Utini on social media. And that'll be it. Uh, all right, let's hit the bad batch, shall we? Let's do it. All right, season two, episode 13, called Pabu. After informally cutting ties with Sid, the Bad Batch and Omega help Fee recover a lost artifact. She convinces them to accompany her to the peaceful island of Pabu. There, they are hosted by Mayor Hazard and his daughter, Liana, who befriends Omega. They're all enjoying a bountiful dinner in peace, and Omega and Liana take a boat ride out to see the sunset. However, a tsunami threatens the lower levels of the city and the surrounding waters. Hunter manages to rescue Omega and Liana at sea in the nick of time uh, with the ship, that is, the Marauder, while Tech and Wrecker help Fee and Mayor uh, evacuate the city population to the peak of the mountain before the tsunami destroys the lower city. Hunter, Hunter and Tech agree to stay on Pabu and help with rebuilding efforts. Uh, all right, so what did you think of this one just off the top of your head? Uh, just... I would just stay home if I were the Bad Batch. Just don't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, you know, they got the worst luck. <laughs> wherever you go. Like, these guys have been fine for, you know, a thousand years. Or whatever they say. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, it's been hundreds of years one. since a tsunami wiped out our city. And then, yeah. like, the day that they show up is just, boom, gone. E everything's like, gone. Yeah. Yeah, everything's gone. <laughs> they yeah. Either, either they're, like, a bad... They, they must be a bad omen at this point. But... Um, you know, it's... Uh, At least they help them. Yeah. <laughs> At least they successfully <laughs> save these people. I Truth be told, okay, like, Pabu was pretty cool. It's a cool location. Um, it's yeah. interesting to see that there's, like, a paradise that kind of escapes the Empire because their planet has literally nothing to offer. It's mostly, like, water and then just pillars of, like, mountain that people live mm -hmm. on. And they got no resources. They got no reason for the Empire to go there. I thought that idea was kind of cool. Like, that we've never really seen that happened before in a show yeah, or and there's going to be a lot of planets like that in the stars universe right like yeah where just people just go about their lives and yeah there there isn't a lot to be exploited and yeah. that i think was the only like thing i liked about this episode like sad <laughs> enough to say um i mean i hate to tear I, I hate to rip apart this episode so i don't want to talk too long about it but um i just after last week you know the week before where we had that whole amazing episode which i think i gave three yeah. pablo points to and I think I would have as well. I yeah, there, like, yeah, oh, that's right, yeah, because you missed last week. Like, would you have given that three? Yeah, three that's my three, three-pointer for yeah. Bad Batch. I think, I think it'll be hard for Bad Batch to hit that level. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, I, I just thought it was such a great story. Uh, you, know, in, in a, you know, I pinned it as an example of something I would show someone if I were to, say, uh, give a, a demonstration episode of, like, what this show is like. You know, that would be like a standout episode for me to like show them and go like, this is how good this show can be. 
just checks off all those all those yeah, boxes right for like, sure yeah see, to see um crosshair become relevant again and to kind of like for people to care about him again yeah i think i think he was his his like very black and white view of things kind of killed a lot of people's interest in him but now that he's questioning things again he's a very interesting character and i hope hope we see more of him yeah i i totally agree mm-hmm. um you know it's uh it was one of those episodes which just took us completely off the rails again and I don't know if it was an episode that was intended to be presented earlier in the season and maybe in a way to avoid the whole Clone Wars release order mess that they had. Maybe they just decided to, you know, have it air later on or something. But it did it did line up well with the whole informally cutting ties with Sid. So then that kind of destroys my theory a little bit. But I just could not, for the life of me, understand why this episode happened. You know, like... What, what, like, I thought that with this whole Zillow Beast thing coming from Mount Tantis, you know, now Crosshair's there at Mount Tantis, I thought that this episode would be the one to kind of kick us into gear with them actually maybe getting, you know, going into cro- uh, crossing paths at some point. Maybe we're going to have more of this plot line going on. And they literally pulled a 180. You know, we're just like, now we're just going to, like, stay here. You know, and they, they, they literally, like, said that at the end of the episode. Like, I think we're just going to stay here and, like, help you guys rebuild the city. I'm like... Okay, I guess I guess that writes them out of like the next couple weeks. Like, <laughs> I just like I, I for the life of me, I could not understand it, man. Like I was like, this episode it, was, it just was so bad. A filler episode, but I don't oh, think man. they'll be there for long. To be honest, I think. I mean, I think yeah. that's kind of the flow of the show. Is we're gonna get like, you know, two filler episodes to yeah. one good episode for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. But I mean, I think um, the only place for this to go is going to be Sid betrays them, right? And and mm-hmm. sells them out to the Empire. To the Empire. Yeah. And then, uh, and then um, unfortunately, whatever the heck is left on that story planet is uh, going to get blown up in the Empire when they show up next episode <laughs> <laughs> looking for Omega. <laughs> Lucky them. Yeah, yeah. Not to we mention like, they are... Uh... our loved ones, and then they all get sold into slavery. <laughs> Not to mention they are looking for her now that Lama Sue has like, gone to Mount Tantis and decided yeah. to make a deal, right? So... Yeah, uh, so it's it's gonna have to be Sid, right? That yeah. sells them out for sure. Yeah, I, yeah. they've been hinting at it the whole time. It's the only like, person that knows like where I they could be. I know a lot right? about you. Yeah, yeah, it's coming, it's coming. Uh, so you know, it, it, this episode really didn't have a whole lot to offer other than a new location with with that didn't offer the Empire. Um, and uh, you know, I gotta say, like this to me, I think normally maybe it's a bit harsh. But I think this is like a three Pablo point poodoo. Uh, sorry, a three Pablo poodoo uh, mm-hmm. level episode for me because it just had nothing to it. Like there was no yeah. character development for any of the characters. There was no moral to are it. Any, are there any redeeming qualities that there was nothing? Me from there, there was absolutely nothing. Poodoo. There was no bigger story arc it connected to. Um, I don't think anyone cared about this episode. Like it was just mm-hmm. like it was just kind of like it was is more than it was fluffier than fluff, you know. I, I, I don't know how else to put it, but uh, I'm just kind of curious. Like what 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 would you give this? I'm like really digging to try to find something to prevent me from giving this. Like I don't I don't like giving. I tried I tried. That's the <laughs> yeah, thing, yeah. right? Like I don't want to rip it apart, but like I was like I there was nothing about it that was I there, liked. Was there were there any shots like off? planet like did it ever crossfade into a different arc yeah so so the beginning of the episode started out with fee uh, aboard their ship and mind you this is the first episode i think where the bad batch does get a uh like they have a win in the sense that they actually did do a successful treasure hunt but we just don't see it unfold we only see like them go aboard their ship they've reclaimed some treasure artifact thing with fee successfully this time and now they're off to the place where she keeps all those things in a vault and they have nowhere else to go. So they're just going to tag, yeah. al- tag along for the ride, right? So we only briefly see another location so ever briefly. Um, but that was that was it. Like, other than that, it's just yeah. aboard the Marauder and then on Pabu. And that's that's all this. So, so right. yes and no kind of thing. All right. I'll give it, I'll give it the old three three poodles. <laughs> three well. poodles, man. Three okay. poodles for Pabu's. Yep. Sorry, Pabu. Yeah, Pablo, you got three poodoos. Yeah. (laughs) 
stole your world idea from Interstellar, I think, as well. So maybe you should be upset about that. <laughs> Did it, they? It, Wait, it, what? <laughs> it reminded me of the uh, of you know when they when. In, in Interstellar, when they land on that ocean world, and they're like, "Where's all the water?" and then it's just one giant like wave. That, like, oh yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, it really reminded me when, when when all the water receded and there was like nothing there, and then one giant thing. Yeah, I, I, I bet you they got a little inspiration somewhere. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, on to away. yeah. Uh, on to better so, uh, things next soon. week. <laughs> yeah. On to better things next week, and uh, you know, hopefully they they pull out a better episode. But I don't know. I'm curious. To, anyone listening, um, you know, if you have anything that you liked about this episode that we may have not touched up on, keep um, it to yourselves. <laughs> keep it us. to yourselves. Yeah, yeah. Do not tell us. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. <laughs> we want to hate this episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, uh, yeah, no, if there's yeah. something we missed, uh, send an email about it. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of curious. I'm kind of curious if there was anyone who liked this episode. But uh, I think I, I feel like I posted a survey on 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 Twitter and, and surprisingly it wasn't completely negative. So I don't know. Maybe it's mm-hmm. just us. Maybe we're the, the crusty old podcast just ripping on Pabu. Yeah. Uh, who knows? But, um, you know, we, we love Star Wars still. You know, I'm looking forward to the next episode. Hopefully it's better. Um, all right, so uh, that pretty much sums us up for the week. You know, we're looking forward to the next episode of Mando and Bad Batch. And, uh, you know, we got Jedi Survivor around the corner. Who is coming? It's coming, yeah. And Celebration comes out on uh, April 7th. Anyone who lucky, you know, lucky ducks going to uh, Star Wars Celebration in England. But um, expect some Star Wars announcements on Celebration weekend between the 7th and the 10th of April. And uh, we're going to try and do something uh, on the podcast as well. Uh, hopefully we can arrange something that maybe maybe we just kind of do a, like a daily review. I know we did that last year. Uh, I know I know Blake suggested some kind of open mic option. I don't know how many people are interested in kind of just dropping in and, you know, chatting chatting about the hype on, on new announcements. I know, you know, who knows what we're going to hear, but, uh, you know, that'll be, that'll be pretty cool. So looking forward to that. Um, All right, man, we'll uh, catch you in the next episode, and I guess we'll see you next week. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Josh. Josh. All right, and for uh, those of you tuning into the podcast, always great to have you. Uh, You can uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at SWScapePodcast. You know where to find that in the description below, along with any relevant links from the episode. Join the Discord. That's where the conversation is. And drop a comment. Leave a review. Five stars always helps us out. And share this show with a friend. May the force be with you. We'll see you in the next episode.